Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. Now, most weeks on the podcast, Ren talks about how Agile is used for writing code to deliver software. And different software, of course, runs all kinds of machinery from cars to cell phones, refrigerators, and everything else. A huge challenge in all business is how to get disciplined execution on a steady basis that's linked to innovative thinking. After all, innovative, creative thinkers are all undisciplined by definition, aren't they? (laughs) And discipline leaves no room for creativity at all, ever. Or does it? (laughs) You're being kind of extremist today. (laughs) Well, a little, but I guess... uh, But you're making a good point. It's to make the point that, or to ask the question, is it possible to implement Agile with these kinds of diverse people in non-code writing enterprises. And I knew who to ask right away, and it was you, Ren. So is it possible <laughs> to use non Absolutely. Awesome. Yes. Um, and I know I'm going against some of the purists. There are Agile purists. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, who don't even want to change the Agile manifesto because the manifesto specifically says software. Mm -hmm. And so they say it has to be software. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, and so the other 90-plus part of the population are like, guys, there are parts of Agile that we're using all over the place Mm -hmm. to great success. And we've talked about using Kanban practices just with your family and how that can improve interactions and communication Mm -hmm. and how you you relate to each other. Kanban is totally agile. Right. Right? Totally. Um, Manufacturing is another place where we see a lot of agile practices. Mm -hmm. Um, Prototyping. Prototype something get fast, frequent customer feedback, but before you do a heavy investment, totally agile. There's a lot of work with uh, manufacturers on um, using Kanban practices and other lean practices to help their manufacturing mm-hmm. process. The whole um, continuous improvement, another aspect of lean. Mm-hmm. We use in everything, yeah. including I've worked with medical practices to use Kanban and Lean to help them with improve their medical practice and to help them improve patient care. Hmm. Yeah, that's just a few, right? Sure, and you know I remember very well the using the Kanban board around the house, and even thinking about that, I know that in retrospect for for my career, there would have been mm-hmm. some things that I would have certainly done differently with with team members, and particularly with team members. And how I managed or, frankly, didn't manage very well some of their input. And (laughs) just about anybody with a decent-sized team could benefit from visibility, transparency, and collaboration. So, and I think Mm -hmm. you've already told us this, but can you just borrow that, those single things from Agile and call it, and call it good? Sure, of course, and and that's that's part of the beauty of 
the huge umbrella of agile. It's not really huge. It's an overstatement, but the umbrella of agile, because if you're only doing extreme programming or XP in the software world, you're still practicing agility and you're definitely, so you are following, you're still under the principles of the manifesto. Mm -hmm. Um, And, Every single organization I've seen adapt any part or all the parts of XP have seen significant improvements in the organization. Okay. That's just that. Um, when we talk about some of the lean and Kanban practices, which I think are probably the most that are used across multiple disciplines and indus- industries, we see the same thing. Okay. You, 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 it's really in a lot of ways, and I have a colleague who describes it this way, it's more about the principles than the practices. The principles you can't move away from. Those are hard-coded. Those are prescriptive. The practices, not as much. But Mm. the truth is the practices are so well studied at home because we have a whole scientific basis to everything we do. Mm -hmm. So it's not, well, you know, but based on just Rin's experience, we know this is how it works. No, everything we do as a practice has, is defined and it's repeatable. Yeah. So we know if Harold does it, it's going to work. This is the outcome. Harold mm-hmm. does these behaviors, so they'll get this income. Outcome. If Rin does it, those same behaviors, she's going to get the same outcome. Reprodu- we know that. Reproducibility. Very, very predictable. High predictability. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's one of the reasons why other industries, particularly manufacturing, that's where you were seeing the biggest growth for the scaled agile framework, for instance, mm. is manufacturing. Um, because we these things are so well defined and, um, and and the outcomes are so well defined, and it's principle based. The principles mm. are prescriptive, the practices not entirely. Where we get into trouble is when we too closely link Agile and Scrum. Mm -hmm. Scrum is tightly associated with software. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's my opinion where we get a a little disjointed. Um, But even I've used Scrum with marketing teams and sales teams Mm -hmm. um, to incredible success. And had not a product owner in the traditional sense, but actually had a customer representative on the Scrum team. Mm-hmm. And the product was so much better. And the, uh, uh, we talked about the stickiness, mm-hmm. right? Which is the, the term we use to say a customer loves your product so much, they're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> they're sticking to it. They're right. sticking to it, right? Um, when your customer is part of that design process, their stickiness is really, really high. I'll bet. Really, I'll bet really that's high. Right. And that is why we're seeing in a lot of MBA programs now that they're teaching agile principles in marketing courses. I'll be. I think that's good news. Right? Yeah. And really how news. do you how do you get away from the value of face-to-face interaction with your customer, fast frequent feedback, which lowers the company's investment, initial investment, which reduces risk, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you're delivering to the customer's specific need, they're telling you whether or not you're meeting your need, your predictability just starts to skyrocket pretty quickly. Yeah. What 
marketing person doesn't love all of that. <laughs> None that I can think of. Right. right? Um, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. But you can also see that if you're an agile purist, I'm not going to name them. Everybody mm. in the industry knows who we're talking about. Oh, sure. So there's no need to name them. Why that is a struggle for them. Yeah. This was an intended for software. Yeah. But what we're talking about here, the values of how we treat people, of and, and the focus on delivering business value, that's really the core of the Agile Manifesto. Mm -hmm. We do what has value. Yes. Yeah. And, wow. And, and like you say, who, who could be against that? But I want to I wanna ask you kind of the same thing for okay. the, pra the practice of the daily stand-up gathering where each team member shares what they did the previous day and identified blockers. Mm -hmm. Anyone could do this, even if they were not part of the Agile universe. Can, mm -hmm. can you still call that Agile? Sure. I mean, it definitely falls under the umbrella. Um, the daily stand-up is a little, it's in that gray fuzzy area. No, we're not quite sure if that is a Kanban or Scrum, mm -hmm. who originated it. Both use it. Safe, of course, uses it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it is very, it, and it satisfies our principles. Mm -hmm. So if we think about our agile principles, transparency, honesty, right, collaboration, whole part of the daily stand-up is not just saying, um, I'm doing well, but it's a, I'm stuck, I need help. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, and asking for help and being there to help others. Mm -hmm. um, and another part of the daily stand-up is making sure that you're focused on, the whole team is focused on the highest priority item. Yes. Are you delivering business value? So one of the things we started doing in the industry, by the way, is being more specific in the daily stand-up. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, this is what I did yesterday. This is what I'm going to do today. It's this is the value I delivered yesterday. Mm -hmm. This is the value I'm going to deliver today. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Which actually couples it regardless, and it doesn't matter if you're a scrum team or you're an executive leadership team or you're a family doing your daily stand-up. Mm -hmm. It couples that, it, it more tightly couples that stand-up conversation mm -hmm. to the Agile Manifesto. When you really say, what is the, this is the value I delivered yesterday, this is the value I'm going to deliver today. That's such a good word. And I want to go, though, back, way back to some of our very first podcast together when you told us about waste and what an incredible <laughs> amount of it that there was. Agile there is really is. good. It's good at getting people to focus, as you just said, on on what did I did do well yesterday, what am I going to do today, results that are needed and not to really get too terribly distracted by the things that are not productive. So preventing mission creep is a byproduct of Agile, but in a non-Agile enterprise or setting, is it possible to use features like that successfully to just prevent waste? We can. It's a little harder. Um, especially in a, in, in uh, just being transparent, mm -hmm. um, the hardest 
way to remove waste from the system is if you're doing Scrum and it's not scaled. Okay. Because you don't have leadership buy-in. Okay. You know, and this is one of the things that we consultants talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. Our dream clients are when we're brought in by the executive leadership team or the senior leadership team. Mm -hmm. Is it because we are just entranced by their offices and their big paychecks? No. No. Is it because we're, you know, we love dictators, <laughs> and, right? And we, and we want to have, you know, the big person there to order people around? Absolutely not. But the, the reason is because we can then talk to them right away and say, okay, if you want to do this, if you really want to do this, regardless of what it is, Kanban, Scrum, Lean, Safe, Crystal, XP, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That means you have to change too. Are you willing to change? Mm -hmm. And the truth is if you if the executives when we talked about this before, the executives don't change. Right. You have a limited, very limited ability to remove waste from the system. Yeah. Very. That's a good one. All of those things will help you take waste out. They will all help you take waste out of the system to varying degrees. Right? right? If you only do Kanban, you're only going to be able to get a blip, right? Mm -hmm. All the way to full and enterprise lean or safe, you're going to see a lot more removed from the, the system, right? Right, right. Yeah. But if you don't have executive buy-in, which means they are physically changing their behaviors too, mm -hmm. then you're always going to be very limited and, and how much waste you can remove no matter what practice you do. Okay. That's a good word. And okay. so as we continue to um, kind of pick from the agile or harvest fruit from the agile tree, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. <laughs> I, I had somebody who asked for feedback on, on an ad they were working on. And there were some problems, some kind of fundamental flaws with the ad from a visual point of view. And I shared this with this individual and the response I got was, I'm going to do what I've already had in mind, kind of ignoring the, the feedback. Is there or would an agile approach help with a situation like this with people who are, for whatever reason, resistant to feedback? Mm -hmm. Or should I just be more selective in my hiring practices <laughs> in the future? Um, I don't think intrinsically that it will. Um, okay. Again, there's a cultural shift that happens with true agile organizations. Okay. Whether or not an individual makes that shift, it's really up to that person. Well, that's true. And it, one of the things that can help, some of the uh, practices we do with Scrum and SAFE in particular, that can help is there are rituals to have those conversations. So you can have a full conversation. Okay. Which gives you, the feedback provider, an opportunity to say why something isn't working for you. Mm -hmm. And for the person to then say why they think it's important. Okay. That's a good point. Um, so you can have right more of that conversation so you don't walk away going, 
why did this person ask for my opinion if they really didn't want it? Well, that exactly. was a waste of my time. And so then the next time they ask you, you're like, no, I'm not taking any of my opinion because you don't care. Yeah. Right? And then that person's like, well, I really need your opinion on that. <laughs> why, why don't they care? You know, in, 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 so it, it lends to some hurt feelings. Um, and so especially if you're a good scrum master coach or you have a good agile coach, they can really help with that. Mm-hmm. And in using the built-in ceremonies to have those conversations and so that each party walks away feeling heard and valued. Yeah, that's so well said. Heard and valued. Um, now, the next group, the number two group, and you mentioned these folks before, that uses Agile right after code and software people are marketing people. Mm-hmm. How does marketing, the function of marketing, benefit from Agile? Oh, it's just, it's huge in two big things. One is, like I said, the, the ready-made structures to, to help them get that fast, frequent feedback. Okay. Um, ideally, if you go right, at a low investment and a low commitment. Okay. Because you don't want to invest millions of dollars to find out no one wants to buy something. Well, isn't that the truth? You'd rather invest hundreds of thousands, right? Right. <laughs> or tens. Either way, to find out if someone is going to buy something or if they're not. Mm-hmm. We want a low investment up front. Right. Um, and that's one of the, the things is you have these built-in structures to get that feedback. The other thing that it does is it puts marketers less as the middleman mm-hmm. between the people doing the work and the people buying the work mm-hmm. and more of a facilitator of those conversations between those two groups of people. Okay. So I mentioned before that I had a client who was really resistant to present what they had done so far to their customer. I goaded them into it. You know, someone sent to the development. You need to have this conversation. Believe me, so before they even started, I was like, you need to schedule your sprint review with your customer and have them as part of the sprint review. No, 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 we can't do that until we have something real to show them. Mm-hmm. It's the sooner you do it, the better, right? Two months right. in, they're like, fine, we're tired of listening to you, we'll do it. <laughs> and found out that the, the architecture they designed, the product was good, the architecture was wrong. It mm-hmm. wasn't going to work for the customer. The customer, who is also an agile uh, organization, mm-hmm stood up with them at the whiteboard and they and said, well, this is what we think it should be. And my client said, part of that will work, part of it won't. And they together designed the architecture. My client went away feeling really great about what, you know, really good about what happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. We now know this is going to work. Their customers thrilled. Mm-hmm. Imagine the stickiness, right? Mm-hmm. We helped design that. The marketing guy is going, this is awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. I know I got a deal at the end of this. Well, heck yeah. <laughs> we're going to make some money. Right? Yeah. And we're going to have them for a while. And so that is one of the reasons why marketing people love it. They also usually don't hear those conversations. You're so right. So imagine is the huge benefit as a marketing person. 
to hear these technical conversations um, within their own company. Mm-hmm. So they never get, you work with these people, you never hear these conversations. They don't, in a traditional world, they never, ever, ever hear those conversations. But also to hear the customer side, uh, the details of how they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. Completely changed how the marketing people and the salesperson who is in that room were talking about the product. Because they heard how the customer was talking about it. Yes. And and they came back and like, Ren, we're changing all of our marketing materials. Because we realized we were too internally focused in our language. Hmm. We were talking about what our engineers thought were, was cool, not hmm. what our customers found useful, and why our customers were buying the product. Huh. That's so interesting. Totally. Yeah, and most of the time, by the way, the marketing salespeople were just sitting there, and they would ask questions at key points in the conversation. Yeah, that's. They didn't have to be smooth, and I think that's one of the things that scares them away, because I don't have to be a subject matter expert. I have to like sound smart. Right. And I coached them before. No, no, that's not your job. Right. In that room, your job is to listen, learn, you know, facilitate the conversation. If they start to go on a tangent, if the scrum master doesn't bring them back online, you do. Mm-hmm. And ask questions, and ask dumb questions. <laughs> you think the engineer is going to look at you like, what, are you crazy? It's your job to ask those questions because guess what? The end user is going to be asking those questions. Well, exactly. And, you know, giving them or giving us as a marketing guy, myself, giving us permission to ask, as you say, dumb questions, that's that's kind of liberating. It, it yeah, seems... and I do that on purpose too. Is I will ask what seems like the most simplistic question. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, like, the marketing sales guys will just kind of, like, roll their eyes at me. Mm-hmm. And how I can't tell you how many times an engineer will go, oh, that's a really good point. We haven't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to the old because letters. They... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the old well, engin- is that there's no dumb questions. I mean. Right. And engineers forget that there are people at the end of what they're creating. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> and it's the job of the marketing salespeople to remind them. That's it's human beings who have to use this. As usual, people right? at home can't see me nodding, but yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's part of their role in the organization. Right. Um, to make every product, software, an automobile, you know, a tractor, a credit card, every product is easy for the customer to buy if possible. Right. And that that is one of the reasons why I try so hard to bring the marketers and the salespeople into the agile release train. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll see that more of the more experienced scaled agile framework, um, uh, you know, coaches will do that, mm-hmm. bring them into the process um, because they're so often the most human aspect of the product. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who can create that face-to-face customer 
dev team, scrum team, you know, whatever team you want to call it, that direct interaction, it's your custom, your marketing and sales people who can do that. Right. More and than it, anybody else in an organization. It, it seems to me too, Ren, that like it, for any company getting its product into the hands of new customers and getting feedback would be the ticket to prosperity. But so many it is it's it's almost it's so valuable it's not quantifiable huh. and i know very smart people who try google okay. is a great example they recently tried to do that but but steve jobs would speak about, used to speak about that often that getting and this is why like I, you guys know i was a beta tester for apple when i was in college mm-hmm. um huge that was invaluable it cost them so little so mm-hmm. little to have somebody like me use their, you know, I had a Mac, I had an early MacBook and an early iPhone, and I used to have one of their portable printers, which they don't do anymore, but they used to, believe it or not. Um, and, you know, for me, I'm a poor college student. This is the greatest thing in the world. Sure. Because I had all this stuff. <laughs> Free laptop and phone and printer was amazing. Um, and they got real feedback, substantive mm-hmm. feedback from me. And, and a lot of times it was surveys, mm-hmm. but frequently they would call me up and go and just have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Huh. Just talk to me. How does well, this work for you? Oh, you don't like that? Why don't you like it? Well, what if, how would we change it? And then you would like it. They would mm. actually ask me, well, if you could redesign it, how would you redesign it? Man. Right? Hugely important question, almost never asked. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, right. and, you know, I think that that kind of openness to feedback is quite remarkable. Um, and in addition to your beta testing for Apple, can you talk to us about some other organizations that weren't software related that are using Agile successfully now? Well, um, I can think of one of my one of my clients is a former clients is a real estate company. Okay. Um, we were looking at ways that they could initially just improve communication across the different property managers. Okay. And then we started using the lean, applying the lean principle, and we uncovered an incredible amount of redundancy and waste, and I'll just be honest with you, nonsense (laughs) in the system. And it was just weeks. They started getting feedback from their tenants Mm -hmm. on how much happier they were. It took weeks. Weeks. Huh. Um, I worked with another company, a large law firm. They couldn't understand why their payment was so bad. Law firms, lawyers, by the way, have the worst collection rate. It's usually lawyers and doctors are the worst. Huh. Um, it, it, and it was, they weren't communicating with people. Hmm. They were making it hard to pay them. Oh, and man. didn't see it. Didn't see it. And again, really, really focused on some lean principles with them on that. Um, implemented some Kanban things. Um, a little, you know, some of the basic 
scrum practices, one of the things we did is we, I gave them a hard cadence. They were very fluid about when they did updates with their clients and when they did their billing, and it, it, it yeah, it was very confusing for their clients. Huh. Getting them on a hard fixed cadence that everybody knew, mm-hmm. just that improved their accounts receivable um, considerably. That's so interesting, and I love eliminating nonsense. I think that should be uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, someday over a drink. Yeah, okay. um, it was really how they were just irritating the crap out of their tenants. Oh man, well, and they had no that. idea, no, uh, no idea that because they just had so many redundant things and no one was really owned anything. Mm-hmm. No one was really responsible for things, and yeah, it just drove the tenants crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, you know, and just getting yeah. <laughs> It's... This one tenant, the water heater broke. The water heater had to be replaced. That's not something you sit on. No. You do that in a day, right? Yes, absolutely. Do not mess around, okay? You're American. <laughs> you <laughs> we need hot water. water, absolutely. We don't do well without it. <laughs> right? yeah, we do not. Electricity, so hot water, Wi-Fi, right? We, have, we need certain things to live. Without <laughs> hot water, there's no coffee, right? You no. Amen. <laughs> we can't function. And um turns out that there were so many people who were part of this process to replace a water heater, but no one owned it end to end. No one was accountable. And so no one was paying attention to make th- sure that things were getting done and moving along. And it wound up taking more than a week. Well, this person happened to live in a more tenant-friendly state mm-hmm. um and a lot of the tenant friendly states that happen to be most of them are in the north in the denser populated parts of the country mm-hmm. and this is one one of those really densely populated states mm-hmm. and the rules are a couple of days without electricity or water heater and you get a rent abatement oh. doesn't take a long time um they got it within a, i think it was two days if i remember correctly mm-hmm um, they wound up not getting the rent for that time period, and the judge imposed a fine, a punitive oh, wow. fine. Oh, that's Because awesome. it took them so long to get water, hot water to this planet. Oh, that's so, that's good for And them. there was no excuse. It just was just crap process. Yeah. No, it was just, just, and it was embarrassing to the owner of the company. And it, as to well, find it out, be. right? And, and honestly, the cost of the company was nominal. This is a multi-billion, a million-dollar real estate company, residential real estate company. Probably cost them a couple of thousand. But it was embarrassing to the owner. Well, like, that's, was, that's not okay, right? Was, you we can go to Home Depot and grab <laughs> not an advertisement for Home Depot, but you can go and pick up a water heater and have it installed in a few hours. Any home improvement store, not to pick on anyone. Right. There yeah. you go. Any home improvement store, pick up a water heater. Yeah. And they also had a contract with a vendor, you know, from most of those major home appliances. Yeah. For instance, because it's a, this is a pretty, imagine, their, their revenues were over $100 million 
a year. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of residential real estate. Yes. <laughs> so they have a volume. And he's like, well, why didn't somebody just go down, get a water heater? You know, he's like, in here you knew the whole process. So he goes, you go to the tenants, you drain the existing water heater. While that's draining, you go and get the new one. Yeah. You come back, you take out the old one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you put into the new one. And you do the new hookups, you set it to fill up, you wait, you turn it on, you know, you test it, make sure it's heating, everything's good, mm-hmm. you go home. It's not rocket science. And I said, yes, but you've got four people who are responsible for that entire process. He's like, but it we, should only be one. Yes, you're why, right. It should only be one. <laughs> and, and we wonder why nothing ever gets done in an instance like that. And I think what you just described, um, four people involved and nobody has it from A to Z. Man, that's right. uh, and that's such a... No, nonsense. Good, <laughs> nonsense, exactly. And so with the time we've got left, Ren, I'm going to ask you yeah. to um, get out your crystal ball and Boy. to make a prediction for us. What's the next and maybe even the most unlikely place where Agile is going to be used successfully? I'm torn. I'm not sure if it's going to be medical or government. And when I say medical, I don't mean the health insurance company. Okay. Um, I mean actual medical practices. And Uh there's an incredible opportunity in how we deliver medical services to human beings, to patients. There's a lot of waste in the system. Mm-hmm. And, in, and anybody who's been to a doctor, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> next time you go, pay attention. And you'll start to see the waste. Oh, yeah. And the nonsense. And we've talked offline. Like, one of the greatest things about where I live is health insurance. Auto and health insurance information mm-hmm. goes into a central database. Oh, so yeah. if you for, you're supposed to carry your car insurance with you, that's still the law. But if you forget, the police officer can quickly and easily look it up and verify you're insured. Right. Boom. Done. Right. Yep. It's ridiculously easy. Most states don't do that. Um, but also for emergency rooms. For some reason, it hasn't propagated to other venues. But for emergency rooms, they do the same thing for your health insurance. Mm-hmm. So if you're incapacitated or you're incredible amounts of pain or you're bleeding, mm-hmm. these are yeah. not good times to try and fill out insurance forms and find your card, right? Yeah. So they can the look you up quickly and easily. Name, birthday, last four digits of your social security number is usually all you need. Mm-hmm. And they know who your insurance is. And you're done. There's no insurance forms. You, they wheel you in and they make you better, right? Mm. That's, um, that, that's just one aspect of patient delivery care that can be improved, but we know there are so many others. Um, the triage process, there's a lot of waste. They ask questions that clearly are not applicable, but they're required to ask them. Yeah. And you're like, why? <laughs> I'm insane here. Why are you talking to me about this? But yeah. 
so any of us can go through these processes and we can go, there's a lot of waste here. So I'm really hoping, uh, I know some people are like, there's waste in the government, we need to work on that. I agree. That's a long, mm. that's an old meme. Oh, yeah. But I think in what has a direct impact to the greatest number of people is medical care delivery. And I really, I hope that's the next place we go and we figure out ways to do things like use scrum and swarm practices when we can't figure out what's wrong with the patient. Yes. That would be a great practice. There's only one medical institution that does that currently, the Mayo Clinic. Hmm. Um, that's I've one of the of reasons them. why they're so, yeah, <laughs> so well respected yeah. is they take a more holistic approach to patient care. Um, you know, there's, there's opportunities, there's tons of opportunities out there to, for improvement in, in medical delivery. Well, it sounds like, um, you did have your crystal ball handy and, um, <laughs> I think, you know, of any area that um, is literally life and death, it's got to be the one you just described, right? And mm -hmm. two, as a, I'm not a software code person, but I am really happy and excited about prospects of using Agile for these other industries, real estate, healthcare, and just see how, how it could be, you know, the thing that potentially ushers in the next industrial revolution. I'm incredibly optimistic about the future of Agile and all these other places. So for those of you who would like to be in touch with Wren directly, go to her website, and it's wrenmelberg.com. And Wren is spelled R-Y-N-M-E-L-B-E-R-G.com. And remember, come back next week for another edition of the Guardian Podcast with Wren Melberg.